Are you ready to realize the true potential in your life and help others do the same? Get equipped to create a thriving future with the Secrets of Success podcast. Inspire others to live, lead, and work on purpose. And experience the joy of watching satisfaction and productivity come to life. And now, here's your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Welcome to the Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Well, we've been talking about leadership in this series, and we're continuing it with, really, it's part four, but we call it section three in our leadership skills or transforming leadership book. And we're really talking about coaching, counseling, and problem management today. So if you haven't listened to the previous podcast, we talked about transforming leadership principles, the belief systems I really need to be successful as a leader, then self-mastery or self-management, then interpersonal communication skills, and now we're really talking about coaching. So each one of these skill sets, because we have 60 skills that are in our system or our leadership development model, is that they build on one another and they build within each of the sections. So before I can really have a quality, skill-driven conversation or interpersonal relationship with you, I really need to develop myself. So the first one, self-mastery, is about managing self. So that's me. So the next set is about you and me. And then the third set, today what we're going to talk about, is really about me holding you accountable or you really uh, sharing and confirming your goals, what you're taking ownership of. You know, when we think about leadership, uh, it would just be, I think it would be great if we never had to hold anybody accountable for their performance or their direction or uh, getting results. But unfortunately, that's not true. And there is a huge sort of momentum or movement, if you may, around uh, the coaching model rather than sort of the directive model. And, and most of it is very uh, highly validated and researched. And there, there is a reason for that trend is that people want to be coached to kind of move forward. But I actually need to do it. And there are skills that are behind it to be successful. So let's just spend some time today really framing out for you the 12 different skills that we have in our model for uh, transforming leadership really in coaching. You know, it's interesting as a supervisor, and I tell this story every time in our three-day certification on our tools and resources. And as I mentioned earlier, the Leadership Skills Self or the Leadership Skills 360 is the assessment that really grids out and is used by many professionals globally uh, really to benchmark your skills this way. And the point being, as I tell this story in certification, is that you know, if, if you come into work late, and I say to you, I says, Ken, do you know that we have a policy that uh, to be on time here at work or to be here at 8.30? And then you respond or say, yes, I know there is a policy that to be here on time at 8.30. Is you would think as a supervisor that you now have agreement with that policy. But in fact, you don't. Is that you have confirmed that they have knowledge of the policy, but you have not had agreement that they're willing to live by the policy. So a lot of times as supervisors or leaders, we think because people know about a policy is that that's an agreement to fulfill it, and it's not whatsoever. So as we go through today, 
is that there is this situation where we have syntax and we have language. So just the difference of restructuring a sentence with me. So Ken, do you agree to abide by the policy to come in on time, which means 8.30 in the morning? Yes or no? Just by adding that structure to the sentence, I'm now moving towards accountability. I'm now moving towards agreement. And then the other side, of course, is if there isn't, uh, what do you want to call it, fulfillment of that responsibility, then what does that mean in terms of consequences or the, the actions you will take in accountability. So when we think about coaching or problem management or counseling in our model, and then some people don't like counseling, but in a lot of cases, you know, we're helping people through certain situations, through uh, maybe doubts. We're really, in some cases, depending on the style, the individual needs to borrow from your courage, needs to borrow from your understanding, needs to borrow from your wisdom. So in a lot of cases, it's not just coaching, but it also can be counseling and helping people through certain situations. So the first skill that we have down as far as the coaching skills in this segment here is around advanced empathy. Can I actually show an accurate understanding of the feelings and the problems? You know, as a, a long-term uh, sales trainer, one of the things that happens with customer service reps is that if they have no understanding what the word empathy means. Empathy is different than sympathy. Sympathy is, well, I'm sorry that's happened to you, Ken. Empathy is really having the feelings and the content linked in a complete sentence. Ken, I can understand how you would be upset over the fact that we delivered that product to you in not 100% condition. So I've included a feeling, upset, frustrated, whatever that uh, verb might be, or descriptor, and then I've also included the content. So if I am a leader, then am I showing you know, understanding of the deeper feelings and the problems, and have we sort of clarified that with that individual? And so I can understand, Ken, how you're just kind of feeling frustrated over the fact that you know, we're asking for these extra hours for you to work overtime. Or, and that you're not with your family as a result of that. Or maybe it's something else. You can choose whatever example you want. And the reality is many, many individuals really do not have that skill set of empathy or advanced empathy. The next one around coaching is around problem exploration, is that you know, we really want to be clear about what really is affecting a person's performance. And a lot of times what people tell us, it's not that they're misleading us, but they really are not forthcoming with the deeper, deeper issue that might be affecting them. And so they might say, well, you know, why are you late? And I said, well, I didn't, really just didn't get any sleep. Okay, well, then you just need to go to bed earlier. But you don't, well, what's the reason that they are not getting sleep? Why is it that they're up late at night? I said, well, you know, my 16-year-old ran away from home and she's out there with some friends. We don't have no idea where she is, and I, I can't even get to sleep. See the difference? Versus just kind of prejudging somebody to say, well, you just need to get some more sleep, and going deeper, which is in many cases the real issues are two, three, four, five, even eight questions deep. Or in one situation where we had an individual who wasn't really you know, performing up to standards, 
and after just being patient, just um, spend, spending some time with that individual, they said, you know what, we just discovered that my spouse has been diagnosed with cancer. And I just, I'm sorry, I've just been unable to, to uh, concentrate. So, and it wasn't that they didn't want to tell us. It was just this personal side of that that would, they weren't necessarily forthcoming with it. And so as a leader, we need to kind of pay attention and make sure that what I'm addressing is linked to that person's issue rather than really going on a tangent, sending some training, holding some accountability on something that really is not the main reason why somebody is not performing. So if I'm the supervisor, if I'm the manager, and I'm trying to hold somebody accountable, I need to make sure I do the problem exploration. And then from there, I specify and work with the individual to get clear about all the things that are contributing to it. Way back, many, many years ago, I was a uh, sales rep for an international company. Uh, I was with their local division. And I was their number one sales performer. I had triple the sales in three years. And it was in agriculture, so there was sort of repeat sales, if you may. And I went through a tough time where um, I, in 19, well, I won't even tell you when it was, but it was December of one year, and I was engaged to an individual from uh, another country, from Brisbane, Australia. And then on February 14th, so my question is, what day is that, guys? February 14th. That's Valentine's, right? So I got a call from Brisbane, Australia. I said, oh, by the way, Ken, and we had uh, gotten engaged and we we're heading towards sort of a, a marriage somewhere in, in the next year. And she said, well, Ken, I really, this is not going to work out. I've found somebody better than you. Click. So here I was, the number one performer. I, it, it was an amazing uh, weight loss program. I lost 15 pounds in 15 days, but I wouldn't recommend that to anybody. And so uh, even though I was the number one performer, from that point on, for the next few weeks, in fact, even few months, my performance really did suffer a lot. I couldn't even concentrate. As far as I was concerned, it was equivalent to divorce. So did my sales manager have to send me to another sales training course? Absolutely not. Was it my ability to sell? No, it was my willingness or my problem was really a personal issue that was affecting my uh, professional life. And so the sales manager had a choice. Well, do we accept and work with Ken for him to get through it and we do the best that we can or do we do something different? So our responsibility as a leader, let's just get clear about what the causes are. You know, maybe it's something else as far as um, some uh, health issue for that person personally. You know, I, I really have sleep apnea and I haven't been able to get uh, to sleep for a while. Or um, some of us are boomers where we are taking care of family members. I know that's happening with our family too as our parents age. And then there's different responsibilities and we're moving them and we're taking care of them and we're taking them to appointments. And then all of a sudden you have all those distractions. And so it doesn't sort of permit the lower productivity or the lower performance or the distraction, but it does explain it. We are human beings. We do have lives that go on all around us. You know, we don't, uh, do we work to live or live to work? You know, so, I mean, we have a life. Uh, I mean, this is not work for me. This is enjoyable. This is 
uh, a privilege to be able to serve you this way and just share some good ideas with you. Uh, but at the same time, if I did this day in and day out with no break, no sort of recreation or fun with my family, going to dinner with my wife or movies or whatever it is, then I think I'd go a little starry-eyed. We want to have some balance, if we may. So our job is to really get clear with the individuals involved about what is the real problem. So we have empathy. We do problem exploration. So we really, really find out what the problem is. But the next skill from a coaching or counseling or problem management point of view is problem specification, that we are clear this is exactly what's going on, the causes, the nature of it, and then also the implications of what that problem has. So can we know that you're distracted? Uh, how can you manage that? And so that really comes into the next skill, which is my ability to hold other people or to help other people to take ownership. Here's the reality. Unless the individual on your team believes that they have an issue, believes that they have a problem, believes they have an item that they need to improve, they're going to do nothing with it. So the next skill is problem ownership. Can I cause the other person? Can I work with that other person? Can I influence the other person? Can I communicate with the other person to a point where they take ownership of whatever the issue is or item that is affecting their performance, affecting their interaction, affecting their <clears throat> stress level, their interaction with others. If they don't own it, they're going to do nothing about it. You know this is true. Yet in many cases, we will go and we'll get directive with people. We'll be telling them what they need to do. We'll be telling them how to change. We'll be telling them uh, et cetera, et cetera. But at no time did we spend the time for them to own the problem. This is Ken. Do you know that this is really an issue to your performance? If I don't say yes, forget it. The rest of it is not going to happen. And so it's you know empathy, problem exploration, problem specification, and now problem ownership. And this is all what you're doing with that other individual in any kind of ownership area. Then from there, we talk about what goals or action steps. So we talk at goal setting, but what action steps, what pieces can you take as far as setting them out? What is it that you're going to do, Ken, to be able to change the situation, to adjust the situation, to improve this situation? So let's say I'm coming late. Well, what is it that I need to do? I maybe to go to bed earlier. Maybe I need to set my alarm earlier. Maybe I uh, need to kind of take more ownership about being on time is just a mindset. So it is now specifying what are the action steps I'm going to do. Maybe it's some interaction with somebody else. What am I specifically going to do when this problem conversation happens in the future? So now I've specified with the individual what the steps are, but the next one is, interesting enough, is ownership again, meaning they're going to take ownership of the goals that you've set up. They're, they're going to take ownership of the goals that are for them. And so, yes, yes, Ken, I am going to take that responsibility to do X, Y, Z when ABC occurs. So do they own that process? The other one is, is that when, from a goal ownership is that we want to kind of break down these goals into very specific action steps. Now, some are be very, very simple. Other ones will be far more complex. So what specifically 
are the steps that I need to do to be able to kind of get up to this speed. It could be a whole training program. It could be a whole series of elements. So now are you going to be able to set all that action planning in place, the specific pathways, the steps to achieve the goals that we have set? So if the goal is, okay, I'm going to come here on time, and yes, I've said that I'm going to do and I'm, I'm agreeing to be here on time, then what are the things that we're going to put into place so that I would set up an environment to be successful? You know, I mentioned in some of the other programs and when we were talking about with Marshall Goldsmith is that nothing happens without structure. You know, so if there's no framework, if there's no commitment, if there's no um, plan to be able to implement it, it's just, <laughs> behavioral change is just not going to happen. It's just not. You know, from the action planning, then we're going to talk about the implementation, the follow-through. You know what? You're going to set this up. I'm going to check in with you on a regular basis to this behavior. So let's look at that behavior. And then on, you know, on Mondays, I'm going to just see how did you do in the, the the previous week in regards to being on time. Or, as Marshall Goldsmith does with his self-coaching grid, he has somebody call him every day of the week to say, how did he do against the 37 items that are on his list? And, and he says, you know what, I do that just as an accountability. I am just sent reading back what I put in here. But I know that I pay this person just because I know that it's hard to change. So that goes back into the follow-up. You know, uh, there are sometimes there's individuals, when this is all said and done, is that there's behaviors, there's actions, and um, there's conduct that really is not okay. And so some people need to be confronted with self-defeating behaviors. They're a victim uh, process. I, I remember working with one client and this individual just, you know, constantly was abusing themselves from a lifestyle point of view, from a diet point of view. So here's an individual who is diabetic. Here's an individual who really um, their health levels are horrid, yet everything about their conduct is contributing to this health condition, meaning you keep living that way, you keep eating that way, you keep living that way, you are going to die. And so sometimes we, we have to confront people with certain behavior and said, oh, by the way, you know, as a leader, your angry outbursts have pretty well demoralized the entire team. And so sometimes confronting takes courage. Sometimes confronting uh, takes assertiveness. So behaviors... You know, you, you, we have choices in life. And when I work with clients as a consultant or working as a coach or just helping people in training, you have three choices when it comes to – so I'm going to speak about work now. I'm going to speak about a work environment. You have three choices with individuals who are on your team that you have some concerns with. Number one, you can accept the performance that the individual has reached – uh, and just let it go and say, you know what, th- that's what Ken can do, that's what Ken can deliver, that's really all he's capable of, and just let it go and just say, accept it. Number two is you get me to develop and to change my behavior, to improve my performance. Whatever that is, somehow or other, through intentional, deliberate actions, you're going to help me to 
do better. And I'm also going to have to take responsibility for that as well. And then the last choice is if the first one is not okay, meaning, you know, can continuing down this behavior path is not okay, and number two fails, then you really only have a third choice, and is that you change the person. So you accept the behavior, you change the behavior, or you change the person. There are no other choices. So when we think about coaching, this is a very critical part of any leader's responsibility to do it. Now, the fact is, is that I need to do it in a way that's motivational. I need to do it in a way that's encouraging. You know, coming in there and being a dictator and screaming and yelling to individuals is not going to have goal ownership, is not going to cause goal problem specification. This is some leader who is undeveloped, unskilled, who is just dumping on people, who really doesn't have the ability, the leadership skills to cause people to kind of go forward. Now, there are always some individuals that no matter what you do, they're toxic. They're not able to change. They're not willing to change. So <clears throat> that leads me into another comment on that in a minute. So we have confrontation. And I'll come back to this other situation about not dealing with it here in a second. The other one is self-sharing. And that means, you know what, as a leader, are you real? Are you, do you have your own story about something you've journeyed through, an example of working with somebody else, another piece of research that you read that really helps bring context, helps bring success in moving this person towards the behavior or the actions that you would like or want. And so our ability to be a great leader is also our ability to be authentic, our ability to be real. And that's where self-sharing comes in as part of that, where you have your own story or stories that contribute to insight into whatever it is that you're dealing with as you coach and hold others accountable for their behavior. Now, the next one interesting is called the skill of immediacy, okay? And I, I, I'm, now, I am guilty of this, and I'll, I'll share why here in a minute. But there's a lot of times where individuals, the first time that there's any indication that they are underperforming or that their performance is not up to snuff is you're fired. Well, how is that possible? Why does that happen? And that is a lot of times is that people defer, and as leaders or as supervisors or as managers, we're responsible to give feedback about how people are doing. In a lot of cases, we just avoid it, so depending on your style. The other one is our feedback immediacy has this appropriate time. All the research is clear. The best time to give people feedback over a job performance issue is right after it's occurred or very nearly after it. So if let's say I'm working with somebody who is a customer service rep in a retail environment. And so this person has this interaction with this client. And two weeks later as a supervisor, you remember when that person came in and they were buying this item here and this is what you said and that's what they said and that's really not how we do things here. And you say, what person two weeks ago? I mean, I can't even remember what I had for lunch today, not alone what happened two weeks ago. So as a manager, as a supervisor, delaying the feedback is really not appropriate for anybody because you're not going to get the results. So on-the-job feedback 
has more benefit to transforming behavior because I have context. I have real examples. This is not something that's fictitious. This is not about a role play. That really happened with you, Ken, with that person. This is what you said. What could you have said differently? First of all, do you realize that what you said was not appropriate? It was right back to problem specification and ownership. And I said, well, there was no problem. I, I was fine. Well, you're obviously, I'm not going to change if I don't even have ownership of the issue. But the skill of immediacy is there. And when we delay it, and when there's leaders who, where there's conflict, and you don't like conflict, so you just avoid it, then really, if you don't bear down with immediacy, then your effectiveness as a leader is going to be severely hindered. You probably have an example that you can think of, of somebody somewhere along the way that you had worked with, that you have worked for, where you didn't hear stuff for days or weeks later. I said, well, that's way too long. So again, the skill of immediacy is important if we're going to coach in real time on the job feedback. And finally, item number 36 we put down as referral is that you know if somebody needs professional help, they need professional help. Uh, many years ago, we had a programmer that we had hired. And it wasn't too long after we hired him, within a week, you know, he started to come in uh, late. Uh, we caught him sleeping at his chair. Uh, I mean, all these things. I mean, he didn't last very long with us. And, you know, programmers, sometimes it's, it, um, choices, or there's just not a lot of choices. And so what we discovered, or what I discovered just a few days in, is this individual was an alcoholic. He was, a, he was participating in substance abuse. And when he walked into the office, he had so much aftershave on that he could really melt the paint off the wall. So he was trying to cover up the smell of alcohol with uh, perfume or whatever else that he was using aftershave. And so we needed to kind of refer him to a substance abuse counselor. Now, he didn't stay with this. It wasn't something that um, was going to work out for us. But, you know, there are some situations where we're just, we're not qualified. We're not qualified to deal with whatever is going on with that individual. Maybe it's a health issue. And they, um, you know, I'm a health coach, but not everybody is. So your recommendations about how to get your energy back, you make sure that they get to the right person at the right time to figure out how to deal with their sleep apnea or lack of sleep or, you know, whatever the case might be, is there could be a professional around there. And the best uh, organizations, you know, I remember one of my relatives was worked with the employee assistance program where it was very, uh, this was actually for pilots. And a lot of uh, pilots, they had this program that was available to them so that if they got stressed, if there were things that were affecting them, you know, I want my pilots to be grounded and centered, <laughs> pardon the pun. I want them to be grounded personally so they can, when they take off, then I, they don't put me at risk because they have all this emotional stuff going on. So there are some individuals where, you know, a skilled um, counselor or a skilled substance abuse uh, professional is what you need to refer that individual to or direct them to them, and many, many companies have that in an EAP program. So when we think about section number three around coaching and counseling and problem management skills, this is a different level of skill set than 
just interpersonal communications. Because now I am holding another person accountable. Now I'm working with that person to own their issues, to clarify their issues, to document their issues, to take action on those issues. It's a whole other level. As well as if person has a self-defeating behavior, I don't avoid it. I don't um, just skip over it. I don't have the sin of omission as it applies to it. And then also this, as I mentioned around immediacy, is, you know, for myself personally, a very direct individual um, who, who is highly extroverted in our model. And what I mean by extroverted is that we, are, we take charge of the environment. We really are, don't let the environment take charge of us. However, when it comes to this one skill in leadership of the skill of immediacy, for me as a business owner, it is actually one of the most difficult things for me to work on. If there are some issues, if there are some performance management items that a person needs, I usually delay it. And there is a reason to it. You know, when we think about uh, CRG's personality development factors model, we talk about personal style, biophysical factors, self-worth, environmental systems, values, but we also have what we call emotional anchors. And so I grew up in a family where arguing was pretty well common every single day while I was um, in pre-teens and then a teenager. And so what I learned was, in spite of me being extroverted, is that you survived by just really avoiding conflict, by being a fly in the wall and hiding in another room, and that you just tried to be invisible. And so, you know, there was never physical abuse. This was really more of a verbal kind of thing that was going on, but it wasn't really very constructive as it anchored me. So as I got older, I really started to notice, even though I'm forthright with suppliers or vendors or people at service, my, one of my biggest challenges as a leader is the skill of immediacy of really speaking up right now at the moment when I see a performance deficiency. A lot of times I will delay it, and I won't be as timely as I need to be. And that is because I learned through sort of this emotional anchor that you survived by just avoiding it. So each of us have our stuff. It's not right, it's not wrong. That will contribute to our actions, both positive and or negative, as it pertains to these leadership skills. So let me just quickly review this for you. And then you can get the Transforming Leadership book or the Leadership Skills Self-Inventory, or if you're interested in using the Leadership Skills 360, where you get feedback from others and doing a coaching model here. It's really a developmental model. You really have to have a lot of fortitude uh, if you want to uh, go through this because this is a commitment lifelong to develop these skills. So first of all, advanced empathy. I know understanding and feelings of the person. Problem exploration, so you can clarify what's going on. And then you specify the nature and causes of the problem. Then you get the person to have problem ownership, so they are specified that, okay, yeah, that, this is my issue. Then we set some goals around it. Okay, make sure you need to come on time, and that, that's our goal. And then the next is goal ownership. Are you willing to be here on time? Yes. Then we set up action steps or planning. Okay, how do you plan on achieving you know, coming on time, I'm going to do this, one, two, three, four. Then we have follow-up as part of that. I'm going to check in with you how often you're coming. Does the plan work? Do the action steps work, pertain to it? Do we need to adjust it? Do we need to improve it? 
From there, if somebody has self-defeating behaviors and it's um, detrimental to the team or toxic, then I, I'm going to have confrontation skills and I'm going to be able to identify or help others to identify and own self-defeating behaviors. If there is a way that I have a story, I'm going to self-share as far as um, my experience, my background, the skill of immediacy, not delaying these things for two weeks, but really dealing with it in a timely fashion without anger, without judgment. And then finally, if it's required, is that I would refer that person to somebody who is capable and able to deal with whatever issue that is beyond the capabilities that we have within our team organization or between ourselves. You know, I thank you for listening. And when we think about leadership and what we're going to do next session is really talk about team and consulting skills. When So we have me, then we have me and you, then I have me holding you accountable but the next one is us, and that's a whole different skill level where I have multiple individuals and I have six people in the team and I'm trying to facilitate and consensus and work with them. And we'll talk about that in the next show as part of the Transforming Leadership series that we're putting here together as part of it. You know, as we say at the end of every show, we just thank you for listening. We appreciate that. We appreciate uh, your participation. Hopefully you found some value in this. Please share, pass it on via whatever social media platform that you are part of. If you want to learn more about the Leadership Skills Self, the Transforming Leadership book, or the Transforming Leadership sort of development program in LSI 360, then do you know reach out to us on the contact numbers that are part of the podcast, as well as our website, crgleader.com. I thank you for listening to the Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Thanks for exploring the secrets of success with us. If you want to keep the momentum going, log on to crgleader.com, scroll to the bottom and sign up for our inspirational emails. You can also take your success to the next level by following us on Facebook and Twitter and connecting with Ken on LinkedIn. We hope you have a great week and look forward to you joining us next time for the Secrets of Success podcast with Dr. Ken Keyes.